0: Hello everyone and welcome into Debate Night. Yet again we're joined by Brody uh in Georgia now. Hard to keep up with with where Brody's at, but in Georgia prepping for the Georgia, major fresh off Georgia. of the Music City Open uh the week of the Masters, which I'm assuming I mean surely you had a hard time getting a hotel room.
1: Um yeah. That th- this might have been a blunder situation. <laughs> but i i don't know what i could have done differently honestly because i was on the fence of whether or not i wanted to play in the tallahassee open which is the silver series event that's going on this weekend in tallahassee i've heard actually some really good things from the course from a lot of people so a lot of people are like you should come play it you'll love it it's a lot of fun uh but i also heard From a handful of people, that WR Jackson is a course that you want as many rounds on as possible. Um, So I was like conflicted because you go to Tallahassee, you're not done until, you know, Sunday night. And at best, you drive through the night or whatever to get up to Augusta or, you know, Appling, Georgia, where the actual course is. It's like a seven-hour drive, seven and a half hours, something like that. And so you maybe get a round in on Monday, maybe get two rounds in on Tuesday, and then another round in on Wednesday, and then you're off to the races. That's feasible. I think the other thing that kind of also was in the back of my mind was my body is, I wouldn't say breaking down, (laughs) but I'm I'm definitely starting to feel the effects of I think I'm what, five weeks in a row right now something like that
0: I think so because I think yeah. you said if you didn't stop you're going to be eight weeks straight if you didn't take a week off yeah
1: and which I think is manageable for sure if you like are at the stage of your game where you're just trying to maintain things yeah but I'm not at that stage I'm at the stage of where you know I'm not just practicing the course and being like, oh my putt was off today. Let me work on that. Like I'm practicing the course and spending a couple hours in the field trying to get my forehand better. And so there's like a lot of aspects of my game that I'm still trying to improve on. So I'm not just maintaining. So I'm I'm kind of almost like double dipping right now. And I think that would catch up to me eventually. So doing Tallahassee open masters cup jonesboro ddo i i don't i I might have died so (laughs) apologies to everyone that was looking forward to watching me play at tallahassee it's not going to happen this year so apologies for that but i think this is the best decision for me with that being said masters week in augusta is an absolute chaos show I don't know how my Wi-Fi is working, by the way. I don't know <laughs> what's going on, but I'm not going to touch anything and move anything. But I'm currently in a hotel, and I've stayed in—I've stayed in a fair share of hotel spectrums, right? I've gone—I've gone to like the forty dollars a night off the side of the highway in the middle of nowhere, and I've gone to the you know twenty-five hundred dollars a night, like in a over-the-water bungalow. So I feel like I have a good grasp on what the price of a hotel is. This is a this is a $50 hotel. This is a $50 hotel and I would be happy with it. There's hot water, the water pressure isn't great but there's hot water. The towels these are these are a one and done type of towel situation where you can't really reuse it because it's so small and so thin that once you use it it's pretty much the, they might throw the towel away. I don't know if they <laughs> actually do laundry. Um, I I think they just gave me a different colored sheet as a comforter. I uh, think I have a white. I think I have a white sheet and I have a brown sheet. That was, was that was
0: the brown sheet at one point white, <laughs> or is it truly really, is
1: <laughs> it truly really a brown sheet? The textile of it makes it feel like it is a brown sheet. Okay, that's I mean, good. I. I I have two pillows. Keep that energy. So that's decent. Um, I have air conditioning, which is nice. You can see the TV. I don't know, Stas. Can you see that the TV is like mounted, like I'm in like some sort
2: of uh, hospital room? <laughs> it's, a, it's a very, yeah, a very odd. Yeah, it looks like it's like 20 years old too.
1: It's it's mounted. And it's all to the side, so like watching the national championship game was very awkward. Um doors are super thin I can hear the highway traffic and then you can't see you, oh you can actually kind of see the blinds a little bit here on the edge blinds are absolute trash as soon as the sun is up the entire room is, is bright as a biscuit so um, and, I, and I'm paying $180 a night Gee. so Gee.
2: yeah <laughs> yeah, that changes the game man Shredder. It's just because um, it's
0: Augusta week. It's,
1: it's Masters week. A holiday inn is like 2.50 right now yeah. a night. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's nuts. But I will be moving over to a uh, – I almost said bed and breakfast. I'll be moving over to an Airbnb on Saturday, and I'll be staying at the Airbnb all week with uh, Jonathan Nicholson and Ezra. Uh, so we actually found a pretty good little spot there. The other thing, too, is I, I don't know if you're familiar with like, I know you've played the course a, a bit, Hunter, but it's like there's nothing really near it. No, so no nothing at all. I'm,
0: there's a Publix, I believe. And there's a chicken no. or is it a, there's one there's a like two minutes down the road. There's a uh, is it a fresh market or Whole Foods?
1: Maybe a different direction than I've gone. And then there's that
0: uh, there's that chicken restaurant on the corner that's also a gas station. And there's a Zaxby, somewhat close,
1: but beyond okay. that, well, there's I'm,
0: not there's not much.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm third. Also, size. Can you can you lower Hunter's volume just a little bit because he's peeking through my headphones. <laughs> um, uh, and I, we haven't even talked about Duke yet, so I don't even want. I, I want to make sure we lower it before we start talking about Duke. But uh, the the uh, it's a 30 minute drive, uh, which okay. is, which okay. is which is which is not terrible, not ideal, but I think our Airbnb will be like 20 minutes. Yeah. So I'll, I'll be in a much better spot come Saturday. Um but we're dealing with some we're doing dealing with crazy weather right now. It's supposed to rain for like the next 48 hours. So it's going to be interesting to see how the course uh handles all that water and then on top of that, it looks like it's it might rain on Saturday and Sunday. Mm. like tournament time so, oh next week yeah nah. and and this is we'll get into the course here in a little bit but uh i can only imagine playing that course in wet conditions with like mud yeah and like standstills in the fairway so mm-hmm. but but what you what you want to talk about uh what do, do you want to talk about the duke situation you want to get that out of the situation out of the way i mean if you want to
0: bring it up we we can talk through it sure sure that's fine
1: I mean, first off, it, I mean, shout out to uh, Tyler Hansborough for those motivational words that he he sent to Hunter. How and that was? An how inc- much do you was, know
0: about how much I hate Tyler Hansborough?
1: That was an incredible stand-up move that he would take the time out of his day uh, to send that heartfelt message to you, and you know that's something that I'm glad that we were all able to share together. So that was that was awesome. Um, so shout out to Tyler for that, and um, yeah, the game. Did you bet on the game?
0: No, no, I had too much. I I bet my all of my emotions on the game.
1: What was your fit? What were you wearing?
0: Uh, I was wearing a Duke hoodie and a Duke hat and sweatpants.
1: Okay. Did you watch it at your parents' in in the? I on watched the it at my screen? parents.
0: Yeah, not in the basement, just on their normal TV. We were gonna watch it at home but i knew being at my parents would keep me under control where i wouldn't be standing the oh. tv yelling so it was a strategy okay. play to be able to just kind of enjoy the game a little bit more it somewhat worked i ended up sitting on the floor in front of the tv for the all the whole night but you know mm.
1: it is what it is what what is uh like what are now that you've had a couple of days to kind of decompress about the situation like what what do you think
2: went wrong
0: well, you know, well, it was free throws with the obvious answer. I mean, we missed like 12 of them and we lost by three. But at the end of the day, what it all boils down to is it didn't even amount to anything because Kansas won it all. So Kansas is the national champions. And yeah, Carolina is the best of the losers, but a loser's a loser. I mean, you might as well just lost in the first round like Kentucky. I mean, you can't if you're going to get all the way to the championship game, I think I'd rather lose in the final four than losing the championship game. Cause if you're in the championship game, you like can taste it. You can taste the victory. And then you, especially to be up like 15 at half and then have Kansas yeah. storming back and win. I mean, it's kind of so all for think. nothing. So, so you, it's kind of, I mean, but, it's, it's sad to be a UNC fan right now, I think, because you're, you were this close to making history, but at the end of the day, like you got nothing. Bill self came out and slapped you around. Like, what, what are you going to do about it?
1: But do you ever feel like, man, if we could have just beat UNC, we probably would have beat Kansas.
0: I mean, maybe Kansas, it's hard to say that. Kansas looked
1: Kansas looked terrible in the first half. Yeah, they but couldn't then make this, a free throw. They, this, they couldn't make a layup.
0: Yeah, the second half, though. I mean, they came out. It's it's tough to say that because we lost. In the Well, five. I
1: think I think UNC that Love Love jacked up his ankle and he was never the same after that. Um, well, UNC's UNC, issue
0: is most of the
1: season they played five guys. Yeah, Puff the Magic Dragon though came out hot to the point where he was vomiting on the dry heaving on the floor. <laughs> uh, I feel like we've all been in that situation at one point where you just almost black out and we don't really know what we're doing for a few minutes, and then when reality sets in, you just like your heart feels like it's about to explode. And I think that's what happened to him. Is like he he just blacked out for three minutes straight scored like eight points was the only one that could do anything for unc and then once reality set in he just was on hands and knees and like was just trying to catch his breath (laughs) but i think i I think both games it's been a long i mean the kansas villanova game was kind of eh to me yeah but it's been a while i feel like since i've watched the final four and there were like multiple good games yeah um i thought both games were really really exciting to watch um, kind of nuts to see like Coach K like that's the end. But yeah, I mean, I feel like if you're Duke, you probably would have rather just like lost in the Sweet 16, and then like, be like, "Well, it is what it is."
0: I mean, but, making like, the Final Four is cool. I, I think every I know if, if you know you're not going to win losing... the championship losing earlier and earlier like the elite eight would have been a good spot to lose because then you don't get to yeah. the final four once you get to the final four weekend you can kind of taste victory so it changes your mindset from like let's just win tonight to let's win it all but yeah i still think if you're gonna lose i would much rather lose in the final four than be unc and have less lost in the championship game after being up 15 and then blowing a lead i would much rather be no, i'd rather be sitting here as a duke fan losing in the final four and not having to go through getting destroyed by kansas personally
1: It's true. The only problem is like, you guys have to, like, for you to be able to have any sort of, like, you can say that all you want, right? And I agree with you to a standpoint of where it's like, it does suck that they beat Duke and then they weren't able to to complete it. Yeah, they don't have a story now. They have nothing. But, but, like, next year, if you beat you and if Duke beats UNC, you know the first thing they're going to say is like, well, we sent we sent Coach K home. And I'll just say, we, we, and where's your hardware we, to show it? We retired Coach That's K. That's the biggest thing, is
0: br- prior to them losing the national championship, as a Duke fan, you have no artillery to fight it. Because if they won the national championship and beat Coach K, double whammy. Like, what the heck are you going to say?
1: Oh, it would have been but, really bad.
0: But they didn't win at all. So... Yeah, Yeah, like good job. You have a, you you made it. You You made it to the final game. Congrats. Pat on the back. But, you know, you you don't have anything to show for it. It's a cute, cute little run you made. Don't have anything to show for it, though. Kind of sucks, you know? Well, there's probably a moment. I wonder if they Gatorade showered Hubert Davis at halftime being up that much.
3: No. Did he come out? Did he change
0: clothes at halftime? I mean, no.
1: As a UNC fan,
0: they were probably celebrating hardcore. You know, I wonder. I wonder if any UNC fans turned the game off. They thought they won at halftime.
1: No, Man, someone did
0: that. I mean, I don't know. Someone no did that. I'm just throwing ideas out there. It beats, It's a tough seat to be in as a UNC fan right now. Yeah, you made it, but like for what? You could have just lost in the I, first round. Got extra think, extra rounds of practice. I mean,
1: I mean, if we're being if we're being fair, tough, I think tough. if if someone if someone could be in UNC shoes or Duke's shoes. They would pick UNC shoes. It's it's not as good as it could have gotten, but
0: I still think I still you'd think rather lose in the final four than the, court the, the day, championship, though. I, but I mean, they beat Duke. Yeah, but you got you got to is. the championship and all for nothing. It is what it is. It's tough. Um, tough. No one will even remember UNC from this season, really, when you think about it. Well, the, like, the problem
1: is I don't know. I don't know when the next time like that was the first time Duke and UNC ever faced each other in. In, in March Madness. So yeah. when the heck will that happen ever again? Who knows? Maybe never in our lifetime. So. Yeah, probably never. But the tournament itself, awesome, incredible. I wish uh, St. Mary's it- would have made it farther.
0: I was rooting for the Duke-UNC Final Four matchup. So I was rooting, I was rooting for St. Mary's just because I hate UNC. But I yeah. wanted the matchup in the Final Four. So I understood St. Mary's had to go. But yeah. it would have been electric if a 15C would have made the Final Four. I mean, the it's only... Always,
1: those stories are always cool. The only issue with is, like, a is, like,
0: uh, high seed going as far as they did is some team, and this year it was UNC, some team is going to figure them out because there's a reason they're a 15 seed. So like once a team real. figures them out, they're going to get destroyed. So like mm-hmm. the Elite Eight, which is where they made it, that's as far as I like a team like that going because they're not going to win the championship as like a 15 seed especially. You're not going to win the championship. Uh, so someone's going to figure farted. you out.
1: How far did Florida Gulf Coast go that one year? Sweet Elite 16 eight Sweet
0: 16. This is oh, this is the first time a final or a, um 15-seeded made it to the Elite 8. Mm. But like Florida Gulf Coast another great example. Like that's a fun run because it doesn't Dunk's get giddy, baby. It doesn't get far enough <laughs> into. Awesome. Yeah, it was that was incredible. Who was uh, uh he's in the NBA now. Kenneth, right? The dude with dreads oh, and I've, Dunking I've, all I've, over everyone crazy I've, athlete. I've, I've he played no for the Nuggets idea. for a while. But anyways, No. Clue. That's a great run. Because, like, Florida Gulf Coast, they get through the first weekend. They get into the second weekend. Like, it's a great storyline. They knock off some good teams. But they don't get far enough that it, like, ruins the final weekend of March Madness. Because you don't want a team that doesn't belong there being in the Final Four yeah. and having a team figure them out, out and win by yeah. 40. And it'd be like, okay, well, there's a waste of a game. So
1: I think that Villanova game would have been a lot closer if they didn't lose their 2nd meeting score. So, yes. Like, yeah, that's have It, it could have been two two really good Final Four games. But- yeah. This this makes it, you know, are we more excited for the match play event? After seeing this, we get a little bracket play ourselves in the match play event. It's a couple couple months away. I'm always excited for brackets.
0: Brackets make everything yeah. more fun.
1: M- more brackets the better. Um, all right. Let's uh we jump into let's, we talk, wanna, music we do... let's talk music city. Let's talk music city real quick because I want
0: to get your opinion as a player of the event on a few different things here. Um oh, okay, what do you got? first being the course design in general you leading into the event you liked it the pro like i've seen several pros now be more vocal like, about dislike it. Parts of it yeah I now like parts of it. i've seen several pros be vocal about disliking uh n- not the course as a whole um but i think for a tour level course disliking it if that makes sense one of the ones was obviously the whole joel freeman incident i don't know if you saw that where he was i, in, heard, I heard about it i think it was hole 11 he was in like some really thick thorns 25 yeah. feet away from the basket and, and stuff like that to where, you know, having stuff inside the circle is fine, but like thick thorns where you can't get to your well, disc,
1: that's a whole different thing. So let's, so let's break it down. Let's yeah. break it down. We'll, we'll, we'll go step by step. So the first thing, the first thing you asked was what I thought of the actual course. Yes. And then we can go into Joel Freeman, slow play results, all that stuff. So yes. first thing, first thing, uh, is the course design. um, I don't know if this is like the disc golf pro tours theory or guideline of where they're like, Hey, we want silver series events to be easier course wise. Mm. I'm not sure. I don't know. It'd be very interesting to hear from them. If that is like something that they're like, yeah, we, you know, silver series events are going to be courses that maybe aren't as challenging or, but that is kind of so far. We've had three Elite Series events and two Silver Series, and both the Silver Series courses and like they have some holes to them that make you feel. And I guess Waco a little bit has some of those holes as well, of where it just doesn't feel as challenging. But first things first is hole one. I feel like I've said this a thousand times. I don't think hole one, I'm not a fan, yeah. rather. Not, yeah. Not I don't think. I'm not a fan of starting on, like, a short par three on hole one. And I feel like so many courses we've played, Waco, um, Belton's kind of like a Heiser 350-foot par three. Vegas, one of the courses is a, is a short par three. Factory is, like, a 400-foot par-3. And then Innova is, like, a 330-foot par-3. And then would we just play Belton? Belton's a par-3. So every every course we've played so far starts with a par-3. And some of them are, like, short little dinky par-3s. Yeah. and And that was exactly what we started here. I, as a player... I'm not a fan of it. I'm curious of like how spectators view it because like if you're what if you tune in, okay, you tune in, live coverage, you're getting jacked up and they're like, all right, first on the box is, I'm trying to think who was on feature card first day, probably Chris Dickerson. So we'll say Chris Dickerson. They're like, Chris Dickerson. Everyone's clapping and you like, see, it's like the basket's right there. It's 200 feet or 205 feet right in front of you. And he's lining up a shot, and then he goes and throws, and he hits a tree ten feet off the fairway. Yeah, like what? Like what? What are you thinking? Like, is that? Are you thinking anything about like this is a weird hole to start like, or or is that you're just completely doesn't matter what kind of hole we start on.
0: I'm more when I see a shot like that, I I'm more immediately think like oof, like not necessarily anything about the hole, but like that's a rough way to start a round. If that makes sense, <laughs> like I'm more, I'm more yeah. thinking about the player. Like, oh, you don't want to, you don't want to do that. I think in disc golf, because you like more of a like open par four essence to where your first shot, there's not a lot of risk. You just get off the tee and get going, right?
1: Yeah, just everyone, everyone rips something off the tee, gets out, and like moves on. So everyone, like when they announce you, everyone's clapping, looking at you. You you rip a shot, everyone collapses, and you're gone. Yeah. Yeah. I mean I don't I versus, don't mind <laughs> versus they're... this where there are people like throwing shots and then like the next person's up and they're getting announced and like your disc is ten feet in front of yeah. them yeah. about the throw.
0: I don't I don't Uh-oh. mind hole one being like a, a shot that you can mess up, um, whether that's a par three or a par four. I don't like it being a shot that you don't feel pressure early in the round. But it's a shot that if it was late in the round would make you make a decision. Like hole one at Texas State, for instance, I think is a great example where hole one, since it's on that big mound, if you, in your head, you could easily just say, I'm playing for a three every round. But if that's hole 16, mm-hmm. you might be 40 feet and where it's hole one, you're laying it up. Now that it's hole 16 in the round, you have to run that putt because you know how your round's yeah. going or you know where you're standing. So I think with the location of like a hole like that, works a lot better the later in the round where but like that's just a hole where you have to make a decision whether you're aggressive or lay up because i think early in the round a lot more players are going to make the safe decision whereas late in the round it allows for more excitement so i don't like there being like a decision hole on hole one but i don't mind it being a par three um i just think it it, in general just kind of needs to be a good hole it it, music city it seemed like it was one of the like quote unquote forgetful holes, if that makes sense, to where if it was hole twelve, it'd be the hole where you're like going through and you're like, dang, what is that hole twelve? I don't think that's mm. a good starting hole. I think if it was a like good, memorable par three, like an iconic hole on the course, then it would feel a lot better. But since it's just kind of like a short dinker forgettable hole on the course, it it's makes it feel like, like a way weird around. one.
1: Yeah, it feels it's like a like weird w- way to w- start w- the w- round. Make a hole one. Wake yeah. a hole one. S- very similar. Um, so outside outside of uh, I think this course had a couple holes that were some of the better holes I played on tour this year. 17, four, three is a great hole, two is a good hole. Um, There's some holes on the back nine that were pretty good, like uh, 16, 15, 14, that stretch was all really good. And then there was just some some holes that were just like, not great. Yeah. So so I think it was a mixture of the two um, of where, you know, I thought some holes were incredible, some holes weren't. Uh, Outside of that, it does sound like the tournament directors and the people kind of running the tournament definitely were interested in hearing feedback from a lot of the players, which I think is great. Just with the fact that we don't really have the course designers and we don't really have the, you know, the sport has developed so much over the last couple of years yeah. that they need feedback right now from the pros and 10, 15, 20 years from now, the growth between the top players uh, from now in 10 years is going to be, you know, not as large as what it is now, 10 years ago. Yeah. So, yeah. So I think that was awesome to see them want to have some feedback. Now, do you want to talk about the thorns? Because I don't know if you can if you can see at home, I still have a couple cuts and scrapes on my face. Um I got I got destroyed out there. So I feel like out of maybe everyone in the field, I would probably have the best uh insight <laughs> on some of the worst spots you could put yourself on the what course. Did,
0: were the thorns that you went into, were they like you threw a really bad shot and so it's in the thorns? Or were you like inside the circle, like the Joel Freeman situation? Because I think those are two different situations when it comes to a course.
1: What style. hole was he inside the circle and in thorns?
0: A hole 11 is what he what has been claimed.
1: On the right 11. side
0: Right side of 11. You can tell he's in a thick bush.
1: Nine, t- the right side of eleven, yes, or oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Whole, whole eleven was the one that had like the little Y tree, and you had to throw it through like a little layup forehand to the right, and then a lot of people were throwing like a spike hyzer up and over the up and over. Um, yeah, I mean, it wasn't that thick over there.
0: That's where the it it, occurred, that's where it occurred. Um, that I mean, the there was is there destroyed.
1: was multiple. There, there was. I'll say this: there were multiple occasions, like more than eight times, that had I thrown that, sh- had I thrown that shot that I did in the tournament in a practice round, there is no way in heck I'm trying to get in there
2: and throw a shot. <laughs> like, the
1: like I'm trying to find a stick and I'm trying to like knock it out and grab it and get out of there and just yeah. throw you know where my other shot is but I'm in a tournament and I have to get in there now do I think that should be part of disc golf I I don't think that's a side that from a player standpoint that we want to play in and I don't think it really adds anything from a viewer standpoint of where like someone throws a shot and then comes out and they're like pulling I mean there was one shot I did where I, I like got like four thorns in my hand because like once I released, I like I was literally in a thorn situation. So like I just did a little like a high chop forehand and just barely caught the thorns in front of me and it's had like four of them in there. So I don't think could be wrong. Maybe people listening right now are gonna be like, oh no, we wanna see you bleed. We wanna <laughs> see blood. Um but to me there I threw the shot in there. Yeah. Right. Like I uh, if I would have thrown a better shot, I wouldn't be in there. So at a certain point, I'm like, eh, but, you know, here I am at W.R. Jackson. And again, this might be more of like just like a location thing where like where we're playing in W.R. Jackson, there aren't thorns. And at this other course, there are. I wish there was like some sort of mosquito or something that you could release that just like eats thorns. Yeah, because I love the rough. At that course, like if you got off the fairway at that course, which I did a lot, it was at certain points. It was like impossible to say par. Like you were not, especially if it was like a par three and you got off the fairway, you know, you weren't in circle two and you weren't, you know, a hundred, you're 150 feet away. Like it was nearly impossible. Some spots to get into circle two, which I like because yeah. it's like you, you threw that bad shot. You should get penalized. But if there was a way of making it just as hard without the Thorns, I'm all for that. I think the
0: biggest difference between the two courses is from what I understood, the course you played at Music City, correct me if I'm wrong, was like a temp course of sorts. Like it's a fairly new put-in course, right? Yes, it's
1: it's temporary baskets, and um, I guess they're pulling the baskets like a week after we left. Yeah. So they might... So, I
0: think that's the biggest difference is like a course like WR Jackson has been played a lot. So, you can get rid of the thorns and the foot traffic keeps them down versus a course like that. It's hard to maintain the thorns if it's not getting regularly played because there's like, as a course develops, that's something with like new courses. It's always the undergrowth and thorns, poison ivy, all that type of stuff. Like, you can kill it, you you can get rid of it, but it's going to keep coming back unless it's like regularly played. So, that's just something that like older courses. We'll have more developed rough to where it's made up of big trees or some strategic little trees, but there's not a lot of like undergrowth thorns, yes. stuff like that you have to get into because they're regularly being trampled. So once they're down, they're down type thing.
1: Yeah. That makes yeah makes a lot of sense. I think I think that is the rough that I like the most to play out of is the one that is still very difficult to like maneuver to get out because you have all the little trees and branches and all that stuff to deal with, but I like to have like you know no thorns or like you said the underbrush. If there's a way to just like force fire all the underbrush out, um, I, I think I think that would be the best scenario for the player standpoint as far as just like you know getting in there. Now, if we want to talk about the Joel Freeman situation. It was when I first heard about it, I was like, well, that's kind of that kind of sucks. Like, why didn't why didn't the people on his card tell him, like, hey, if you do that, we're going to stroke you. Um Because I guess what. I guess what I heard and again, this is like from a couple different people. So take that for what you want. But what I heard is he was like trying to get to his lie. hmm and said something verbally out loud of like, I can't get to my lie. Yes. And then proceeded to kind of just keep going back and back until he could throw a shot. Well,
0: he got the group to come look at it. Okay. So on coverage, you can see Nathan Queen and Dickerson, them looking at the lie.
1: The, okay.
0: um, the issue was, because the issue here is the two people who are mainly in the story, one being Joel Freeman he posted like kind of a cryptic, you didn't get much detail from Instagram post, basically just being mm-hmm. like, it was unfortunate. Let's just move on. It is what it is. Nathan Queen yeah. was doing the commentary. So, the only like fully told outside of the story you hear is Nathan Queen's, which is right. There's probably the truth, probably somewhere in the middle. But Nathan Queen basically said, What did he say? He said that he walked up and immediately, and you can see it on coverage. He's like, Yeah, right here, I'm saying I could get to that lie in 15 seconds. And so then what happened is the whole card walks away and it appeared that there wasn't really an answer given to Joel yet. And so what Nathan says is they walked away and they were still talking about whether that was an unplayable lie or not. So they hadn't given him an answer. And that's when he marked farther behind taking casual relief and through. Yeah. So to me, it just seemed like this
1: misunderstanding of it was Joel's mis- part. It, was a, it seemed like a miscommunication thing of where yeah. he never, he never got confirmation because what I was told was they they assumed because he took it back there that he was just taking it unplayable. Yes, yeah, so they thought he was taking the stroke. So yeah, they thought because they he because they basically didn't make it sound like it was unplayable or not. Sorry, they they didn't make it sound like it wasn't something because the only time you can the only time you can do that is like if your disc is like up. Against a tree. Yeah, like if you right? physically can't
0: get to your disc, you can take relief like, back.
1: Yes. And yeah. so I think they saw that, saw like, ah, we didn't, they weren't like, oh, yeah, man, there's no, because really, if it's a thorn bush, you can get your foot in there. Yeah, you can find as, a that, way as, to get in there. As much as it sucks, trust me, I have scrapes all over my body to prove it. It sucks, but I don't think in the rules, and maybe again, this is where it's like I wish this wasn't thorns because you can't put something in the rules of where it's like. Well, that's well, where like, the tournament it like director. Thorns.
0: It can't yeah. blame relief, casual relief from all thorns. So that could be something said at the meeting where you you get casual relief backwards of all thorns, or like you can that, also though. designate specific ones. So you can say. The thorn to the I right like of hole green of hole eleven, you get relief yeah. from, from that. You can say that because so that's kind of the the only solution that could have happened.
1: I, I don't like the uh, you know I don't like the thorn situation because it, it it also brings into my thing of like hey like we need to be able to get like relief off of like fire ant piles and like other like gopher holes and all that stuff. But the problem is when you when you start saying like just disc golf courses aren't maintained well enough to where stuff can be easily like, oh, that is definitely a hole because it's surrounded by grass and that's a hole. And it's I think, the same thing with thorns is like th- there's such a – you can you can abuse that rule yeah. if you're like you get relief off of thorns. So regardless, they all thought he was taking unplayable – they get to the tee, they ask him what he got. He said four. They're like, Isn't it a five? And I think that's how the story goes. Now, there was another in- incident too, which. This one I didn't hear. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't even hear. This after we did the podcast. The free, the another Joel Freeman. Yeah. Whole right?
0: 17 or whatever.
1: Whole 17. So I didn't even know this was a rule. So for everyone listening right now, this is, this is kind of an interesting rule. And again, this is where I think the PDGA is making rules for all tournaments and this is where i think the disc golf pro tour needs to separate a little bit from the pdga and say hey some of your rules make a lot of sense for flex starts and make a lot of sense for c tiers but don't make sense for the disc golf pro tour and this is one of those rules now it was it was played the right way so that was good but basically hole 17 uh you can either go up the middle you got trees on the left ob on the right you can either sh- throw like an up the gut shot or you can throw a big hyzer out of uh, over out of bounds and then have it come back inbounds. That's what Joel did. His disc never came back inbounds, and so he ended up going up to where his disc was. And in the PGGA rulebook, it does say that the tournament director essentially has the right to say how they want that the outbound will be played to where. You either play it like how ninety nine point nine percent of us play it, where it's where it last was in bounds. That's where you take it, or he has an option of basically saying like you can bring where your disc ends up. You can bring it in uh, perpendicular to the out of bounds and take your stroke and play it from there. Fascinating. Uh, this is also this is also a rule that the USGA has um, in golf as well. And again, this is to speed up pace of play at the lower level, because if you have a hole that requires people to throw out of bounds and have it come back in, instead of having people just stand there and continuing to throw and throw and throw, this would speed up the pace of play. Right. And that's, I think, why the rule was created. Does it make sense for the pro tour? Absolutely not. Tournament director came out, told him, no, you can't do that for this tournament. Where I don't know where I've never
0: heard that rule before.
1: I'm looking at the O B rule now. I'm not I'm not I'm not second guessing Joel Freeman at all. The guy knows the rule book better than anyone else.
0: I'm second guessing him. But I'm I'm gonna I'm reading Uh, the OB rule right now and I'm gonna just see I'm telling you it's in there. I'm I'm looking at it. I'm I'm gonna look for it right now while we keep talking. Because it basically says a player's disc who's out of bounds receives one penalty throw, the player may play the next throw from the previous lie or a lie designated by a marker disc placed on the playing surface up to one meter away from the point where the disc was last in bounds. At
1: the director's... Uh, you like an oh, you're right. You At the director's
0: discretion, the player may additionally choose to play the next throw from within the designated drop zone, or a lie designated by a marker disc placed on the playing surface up to one meter away from the point of out-of-bounds line nearest the position of the disc. That must be there a new rule. That's fascinating. So it's at the director's yeah. discretion, though. So the TD would have had to, same thing as the casual relief for the Thorns. TD would have Correct. had to have said that before the tournament.
1: I'm telling you, Joel Freeman knows the rule book better than anyone I've at, ever met. Knowing the rule book
0: can save you a stroke or two, at least a turn, maybe even a round. 100%. Yeah. 100%. But that's where so, I, I think. Were you going to say, Suzz? Yeah, Suzz, so, what were you saying? just someone in the chat.
2: Oh, no. I was just saying, Todd, Todd said he looked it up. I, he said where to find it. But yeah, I found, found it. it. I found so you're good. It was the next few
0: points down. Oh, nice. That must have been added recently because
1: that's Do you want to you want to hear my crazy rule story? Let's hear it. Of how I how I stroked myself. Mm, okay. So, so uh yeah. Well, maybe bad bad use of the word. <laughs> um, how how I took a worse floor than I should have. There you go. Um so this was a hole that uh, most players you saw throw like a chip forehand and then like another chip forehand. But you could throw like up and over the trees like immediately off the tee pad. This was like a whole eight, I believe. Whole eight. You could throw like this high ante. Uh, I don't know if it was on coverage, but Garrett Gerthie threw a shot like pin high on this par four. Mm. Ridiculous shot. But you can throw a high ante flex and flex it like over and get way over there and then have like a straight 200-foot shot. So that is what I did the first two days. Uh, and just easy birdie, easy birdie. One of the days I got up, I was throwing my Janice Thrasher. And one of the days, the wind kind of like knocked it over more into a like a sky roller. And so it hit and rolled like another 150 feet straight. And there, it was probably like 20 or 30 feet short of these white stakes. Now, once I saw that, I was like, okay, are these out of bounds for us? Because I was like, I'm pretty sure when I looked at the T sign, there's like no OB on this course, like or on this hole. And so I really looked at the caddy book and yes, lo and behold, it says OB over the fence, which is like so far right. And like short that these, this is obviously not talking about that. And then uh, there was no other OB on the course. These white stakes were for horse 17. So if you went too far on hole 17, that's these white stakes came into play because they kind of the two holes kind of catty-cornered together. So I'm like, all right, so I'm fine. If I somehow end up going past, I'm fine. Well, lo and behold, round three, uh, my just does the same thing, turns into a sky roller and rolls like another... 50 feet further than before. And I get in the middle of the storm bush past these white stakes. Now in my head, I'm like, this is an OB. I know it's not OB. This is an OB. But, you know, I talked to the car by people on my card and I'm like, guys, there's no OB on the T sign. Uh, I'm like, there's no way that this can be OB. And they're like, yeah, we think that you should just play a provisional just to be safe. And I am yeah. like, all right, I was like, fine, I'll play a provisional. So I take my one meter in and I end up because I take my one meter in, I'm no longer in this massive thorn bush and I throw him, get freaky up to like five feet. Okay. So I'm like, all right, well that's, that's a par for my provisional. Let me just, let me just, uh, so now in my head, I'm like, I, I'm going to see if I can get like a crazy flex forehand, like stand still. Again, I'm like got thorns all around me. So, like, my range of motion is very minimal. I'm like, can I get a crazy flex forehand all the way up to the basket and maybe get birdie on this hole? Because I'm like, this is the disc I'm actually using. Throw it, go straight ultimate frisbee style, nose up, hyzers over into this other thorn bush. <laughs> have have no shot, but I just chuck something up there, get to about 30, 32 feet. And now I'm walking up being like, okay, what the heck? And I missed the putt, mm. And which also puts me in a really weird spot because I was, I was, my other shot was also out because everyone else parked it. So like now I'm like, that okay, I have to, I'm like, it was really weird. Cause like, I need to get that putter, but I need to mark this disc and mark that disc. It was a weird situation, but I end up paring on the on my provisional, yeah, and bogeying on my not provisional. Mm. So, so now they're like, "All right, well, what do you want to take?" And I'm like, "Well, I I got to take the five because that's what I think. Like, I don't think I should. That should be OB. Yeah. But now in my head, I'm like, crap. At the end of the round, I got to talk to the tournament director." And I got to try to talk my way into trying to figure out to make that OB. <laughs> because that will save me a stroke. <laughs> and, and uh, yeah, so I talked to him. I'm like, hey, that those OB lines on the back of 17, is that OB for whole eight as well? And they're like, no, that's just for 17. And I was like, oh, okay.
0: Yeah, dang right.
1: it. <laughs> screw me. Um, but that brings an interesting topic. I don't think that should happen. I think if yeah. there's OB... That it needs to be OB for all holes playing around it and not just like. Well, typically,
0: that, typically that what it is, happen. is like you have course OB. So like there's a barbed wire fence or a f- property line and yep. you define that like at Independence Park, for instance, in Bedford, there's the entrance gravel road. And so on all holes, it says it at the top of the caddy book when I write it, all holes gravel road and beyonds OB. So it doesn't matter where yep. you find it because it plays in a lot. But then there's some like hole thirteen, for instance, uh, which I might actually that's a pretty bad example. But there's sometimes a hole where it would you're it'd be ob on the hole to protect a different fairway, but yep. like that fairway doesn't necessarily need protecting back if that makes sense, like or whatever. Yep. So sometimes you put ob just on like hole four fence on the right's ob, but then on the other side of the fence, you know, 200 feet farther away is hole seven, so you don't even think about the fence protecting hole four. And so then you don't put it there, and if you don't put it as an OB for a hole, that's why you have to put, like, course OB as, like, all Gravel Road and Beyond's OB for all holes, because if you forget it on a hole, then it just isn't OB on that hole. So then you might have a player playing over a property line or something, which they're right in the tournament, but you're like, that's my fault as a tournament director. So in your situation, I don't exactly know what that line defined, but if it's something where... It sounds like it's just something where they didn't expect it, a it shot did, to get there. It
1: defined it defined the back of hole seventeen. So like fifteen feet behind hole 17's basket was ob. Yeah, and it was this. It was like fifteen posts. and the post they just had them keep going left out into the field, and that field was like you know five hundred feet straight off of hole eight. Uh, t-pad yeah but like i said most people that play hole eight just throw a forehand chipper 300 feet and then throw like it's a it's shaped like an l yeah so you throw a forehand chipper 300 feet straight and then shoot one straight across the other direction yeah so, so the yeah, t was the probably like direction. how on earth did you even get there correct correct <laughs> no, there, there's no way a shot should ever go that direction but that being said um i was thinking for you know all courses in the future any ob for a hole should be ob that that should be an ob line for every hole. yeah i mean there's probably very
0: few it'd probably be easier and safer to have to declare the opposite of what we have to declare now like declare the line on hole four is not ob on hole five versus Correct. having to say like this probably line doing to a lot OB,
3: less work
0: yeah exactly yeah. because like realistically most ob lines are like protecting a fairway from one another or something or just uh, de- mm-hmm. like defining a line in general and like a field to make a hole harder or whatever it may be to where if there is another hole that you're like there's no way a player does it if a player did it that's another thing you learn like people learn td events it's happening many times I've like the first few tournaments I ran, I was like, okay, I don't need to put this in the caddy book because there's no chance a shot goes there. Like there's no chance yeah. that happened. It will always happen. Somehow a player will do something where you're like, how on earth did you land on the roof of that shed? Like that is so yeah. far out of the way of everything. <laughs> how are you there? But they are. And you're like, okay. So then anytime you're writing a caddy book, you have to define every little thing, even the things that like people will read and be like, what do you like? Why is that even in the caddy book? That's so far out of the way, but it's like it's because it will happen if you don't put it in the caddy book. So it'd probably be easier All to right. do the opposite, where you just define what's not there. But talk. Uh, Let's I, I got to hear really quick the yeah. the biggest topic that's come out of Music City is yeah. the time issue. Again, it's just because Nico was playing very well, so Nico was on feature card. He's focused,
1: it he's wasn't, dialed it's in. It's not just Nico. It's no, not but just Nico. It's just
0: Nico who keeps getting seen, is the thing.
1: Correct. And so, It's not just Nico. <laughs> no, but that's
0: what I'm asking. Is, as a player, A, yeah. you already answered question A, which is, is it something that you're experiencing even if you're not on a feature or lead car where there's other players taking beyond 30 seconds? Yes. B, yes. it also sounds like you're, about, you're answering B, which is, is it something that bothers players as much as it bothers yes. fans at home? So then, that leaves us with question C: What the heck do we do about it?
1: Okay, before we jump into that, I do want to say because it's in the title, so it'd be bad for me not to talk real quick about this. Chris Dickerson's very good at Discord. Yes, yes. Um, I uh, I I got I got paid out in Waffle House today, so shout right, out yeah. to Ezra for being a man of his word. Um, and while we were there, we were talking, and he obviously played on lead card the- with him, and he was like. He was like, Chris Dickerson throws very far. And I don't think people realize just how far Chris Dickerson throws. He's one of those players and, where you just don't know. Yeah. And we me and Ezra are talking about how this offseason we are going to try to incorporate a run up similar to Chris Dickerson's. Because if you watch me and Ezra throw, there's a couple other people this that have like that slow cadence. Um of where we did take like a couple steps and we're, you know, we might be moving like three miles per hour laterally where Dickerson's probably closer to like 10 miles per hour when he's like really ripping them. So that like extra seven miles per hour, that if you can get your timing and everything like that, I mean, that's going to generate more distance for you. So yeah,
0: that's the key though, um, the timing. That's why most people oh, are yeah. recommended to go slow because timing's more yeah. important up front yeah. and then speed up once you get the timing. But yeah
2: for sure so
1: but yeah i mean he 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 is ridiculously good um he's the type of player that it doesn't matter what course it is if he if he's playing well he's going to be contending to win and um yeah i didn't get to see a lot of him play but i did see some of his shots and he you know he just carved up that course yeah and um he to this day
0: still has i've told this story who knows how many times but to this day the most impressive shot i've ever seen thrown with a frisbee was by chris dickerson at like a local b tier he just threw the most insane roller of all time that it was back when he was like playing local nashville tournaments would show up here Mm -hmm. and it was one of those moments where you're just like i couldn't fathom doing something like that with a disc and it's just, yeah. you, you know, that's like, there's some players you watch and you're like, I can, I can imagine myself being capable of what they just did. And then Dickerson just has a like imagination with a disc to be able to do stuff. And it never looks crazy when you're watching him on coverage. But when you watch him in person, he has this imagination yeah. to be able to see lines and see things that you're like, I genuinely think there's no, me personally, I genuinely think there's no chance I could accomplish some of the things he does. But it's just like, when you're watching him on coverage, he's so calm and collected about it, you don't even notice that you're watching something incredible. But yeah, he's he's primed to to do something incredible this year. He's obviously already won a major in his past. I think he can do it again. And I think it came at a crucial time because most players like you aren't playing the Tallahassee Open, so he's going into a major with a win uh, against a mm-hmm. relatively solid field. So I think it's a, a pretty yeah, great time field. to win for him as well. Yeah.
1: For, all, for all you youngsters out there listening, here's a tip for you. Practice on hard wooded courses as Mm -hmm. much as you can because that is a skill set that will benefit you more than just throwing in a field all the time. Not saying that you shouldn't throw in the field ever, but if you like grow up like Dickerson, just playing on hard wooded courses, you are going to be able to do kind of what, Hunter was just talking about. You're going to be able to see lines, see shots, manipulate your disc in ways because you've had so many reps and you've put yourself in so many weird situations and have figured out how to get out of them. Um, and you'll save save a lot of strokes. So Chris Dickerson, spoiler alert, very good at disc golf. Um, all right, so slow play. I I was the victim of this... Twice. Okay. Round one, we had, I want to say in between a two and three hole gap between our group and the group in front of us. Oh geez. Um, positive. Never had to wait a weight on the tee pad. Negative. Backed up probably a lot of people behind us. And then also just, you know, playing with that kind of rhythm and pace, not ideal. Very hard. Yeah. Second round. This is the first time I've ever seen this. And this might be the first time. This might be the first time in the history of the the tour that this has ever happened. We were, we were waiting every single T pad, like five to 10 minutes starting on hole three. So early on, Mm -hmm. might even been like a little bit on hole two. And so, it's it, it, you know, initially, you're just like, dude, the people in front of us are playing so slow. Okay, you're like, what the heck? Why are they playing so slow? Then it, it, we get to hole eight and we see uh, Vino limping off, like walking away, and we're like, what the heck? Come, we come to find out, I, I guess he stepped in a hole, hopefully, he's doing well, but I guess he stepped in a hole and his like ankle ballooned up mm-hmm. and he just wasn't able to play. So he DNFs. So now we see while we're on hole eight, they're on t pad of hole nine. We see him walking across our fairway. So now in our head, we're like, "Oh well, we're not gonna be we're not gonna be backed up at all now because they only have three people." Yeah, like they should they should play a lot faster now. Still backed up. We're like, what? So we're like, what is going on? Who's in this group that is playing incredibly slow? So then we get to hole. 14 another person on their car dnx
0: what <laughs> on earth
1: they have a two DNFer on one car i don't know what i don't know what happened to this person but now they're at two and we come to figure out that it wasn't them because at this point they're playing as a twosome with like a uh, a marshal like one of a marshal has come out kind of thing and we're still waiting on them. And we see finally the group in front of them. And we're like, oh my gosh, it's the group in front of them that's causing them backups, that's backing us up. But it was wild. Like the whole experience was wild to see like a 2DNF situation and then to still have backups. But that was two of my rounds. And you start doing math in your head of just like how fast disc golf should be. Because putting in disc golf is extremely fast. Mm -hmm. 99% of the time, when you step up to a putt inside of the circle, it is the same exact putt as every time you've thrown that putt. Yeah. Very, very rare occasions will you have a tree in your way, will you have to like straddle, do something weird inside a circle. So when you when you step up to that 27 foot putt, I feel like it should be like a free throw of where you have some sort of five to 10 second routine. 10 feels very long, by the way. If you if you step up to your putt and stay there for 10 seconds, like time yourself, 10 seconds seems very long. But have some sort of routine and then you putt and then that's it, right? Now, obviously when it's weight, things are going to change. But when the, when the variables are normal, to me, it seems like putting should be very quick. Then when you factor in the fact that a lot of these courses are like par 64, 61, 65, we're really not throwing that many shots, right? Uh, we're really throwing a lot of tee shots and then putting and then getting out. Yeah. And when you look at the number of shots that we're throwing compared to how long it takes us to play the round, it's not. it's not great. So – I, you know, and again, I think when when it comes to like viewers, viewership on coverage, I don't think it's going to matter. I don't think people are going to pay atten- be able to really pay attention because when there are enough cameras out there, you're not going to be just glued in to like what happened this past weekend where you're just glued into the final card. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, you're just sitting there waiting for Nico or waiting for whoever to putt or to throw whatever like it's okay to see Nico's lining up his putt and show something else. And, and then, then if Nico back. ends up Yeah, if Nico ends up putting while you're showing something else, you should be able to just quickly show what happened. And not even acting like, oh well this happened earlier on. Literally, if it's if it happened five seconds ago, no one watching is gonna know that it happened five seconds ago. Yeah. So just show it as if it was live and you're good to go. Um, so I think this isn't gonna be an issue on coverage in the future. But as a spec I know as a player, it annoys everyone. There's not a single person out there that says, you know what? I know today, guys, we can play this round in three hours. But why not make it three, three hours and 45 minutes? <laughs> like, there's not a single person that is like, yeah, three hours and 45 minutes. Let's do it. Um, so I know players hate slow play. I'm assuming, and this is maybe Silas, you can kind of get a little gauge right now while we have the live chat up. You can get a little gauge of how people are, you know, in the live chat are commenting. Like, I'm assuming if you're at the event spectating, I got to imagine that you're not enjoying the slow play because nothing's, nothing, that's the other thing. Nothing's like happening. Where if I go to a golf tournament, a lot of times, the golfers will take 30, 45 seconds, a minute before they hit a shot. But they're they're standing with a caddy. You can see them talking. They're put they're throwing the grass up. They're picking up different clubs. They're they're practice swinging. They're doing a bunch of things. where at least like as I'm spectating it, I can like see and it's be like, oh that's watch. interesting.
2: Yeah. 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 That's what, someone- that's what everybody's saying in the chat. Like, I mean, no one no one likes it. Because you're just sitting there waiting for someone to putt. It's not like they're doing anything else. There's nothing else to watch. You're just you're just even, watching them line up the putt for thirty even, seconds or whatever. I, I I will even say like
1: I would I will get goosebumps sometimes watching Tiger stalk a putt. Right, like when he's laser focused, he's crouched down behind it. He stands up, he walks around, looks at it from the side. Looks at it from the other side, comes back behind it, and he's just like, you can just see the intensity, and he's reading the green. Like, I'm locked in. Yeah. Because that to me, like, I can see him doing something. I can see him focusing. He's walking around. You know, he's trying to read the green. The announcers are talking about how hard of a putt this is. When someone's just standing over a 30, (laughs) <laughs> for our listeners i was literally just pump faking i just there's nothing there and i yeah. think too like i'm i'm again there are so many shots in this golf that are just the same exact shot if i if i step up to a shot i range find the basket i'm 200 feet in a wide open field nothing in my way Like, I should be able to execute that shot in the next 15 seconds. So, I think that is where it's weird, is where, and then also there's other times too, like, I played with someone that there was just a lot of time wasted where it's like, if you're third on the tee, right? If you're third on the tee, you should be figuring out what you're doing while the first two guys are going. Not not once the second guy is off. Now you're like now you like, oh it's me and you're like oh um and you're like getting up and you're like oh well, I gotta I gotta drop my hands and like uh well, how far is it like what are we doing <laughs> so, <laughs> so there's like so much wasted time that can be had and also if you are a slow player out there the last thing people want to see is you be the last person off the tee pad and like 50 feet behind the people, the people you're playing with and it's like sauntering up the fairway. I, I don't know. I it, the, Again, I don't really care as much as a player. I just, I feel like and from the comments I'm seeing on social media, every time someone sees a slow player and yes, Nico is a slow player. There are other slow players as well out on tour. He's not the only one. And I feel like until something is until something is done, I think it's going to be an issue because you're just going to get more and more people to play slow.
0: Yeah. Because, I mean, realistically, like for some players, that's an advantage.
2: I was going to say, do you think that's intentional? Do you think he's doing that on purpose? No,
1: no, 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 no. Nico knows. Nico, I've talked to Nico. Nico knows that he doesn't play fast, and it's something that he... He doesn't like, I know that for a fact. It's not like he enjoys playing slow. Um, So I don't, I don't know what it is with him. Gannon Burr is another person that I, I talked about last year as someone that plays slow. He also got criticized multiple times when he was featured on, I believe like Waco and he was featured on Waco live coverage. People were talking about him playing slow and he saw that. And that was, I think he even made a post on social media talking about how he's worked on playing quicker putting faster doing all those things
0: yeah um yeah like you were saying too with the slow slow play i think that there's it's partially when it's happening on every shot that it becomes an issue because like mm -hmm. if it's a big moment in a player who normally is taking 10-15 seconds on a putt takes 30 because the wind's up and they're like drying their hand off and you can
1: see their focus are second guessing themselves because of the pressure and you can feel
0: the moment that's one thing uh i i don't normally you don't see complaints because that 30 seconds goes by fast because you're focused with the player the other thing too that makes it go by quick is when you take it and you're in the middle of the fairway or like middle of the hole but you're off the fairway and a player gets up to their lie, they're looking, then they walk out into the fairway, they look down the fairway, they pick out their gap, they go back in, they range find, they're chalking their hand, then they line up, and then once they line up, they throw within like 10, 15 seconds. But when you put the whole thing together from when they first address their lie to the disc coming out of their hand, it might be a minute. That's fine. But because, like That's you fine. were saying, because there's a lot happening and they're, sh- they're studying, it's not just a run-of-a-mill shot. They're like, I've never been here before, Correct. i got to figure this out. It, again, doesn't feel bad i think the issue and why nico gets called out by social media so much on it is a lot of well, times it is just a 25 foot putt and nico's good enough that he's on coverage regularly
1: correct that's, that's the big that is, issue that is the key nico is good enough to where he actually has cameras on it yeah
0: and thing is like, like nico what what sucks in my head for nico because is, there was
1: someone i don't know who it, i don't know who it was yeah but there was someone that that round two there was someone two cards ahead of me. I don't know if I can go back and see who that, like who was on that card. But there was someone two cards ahead of me that was, someone was playing incredibly slow. Yeah, I don't know who it was. Yeah. So it's like it, it, there were so many people. There so many people, and until until something happens about it, because right now we've know we've we've seen that for the most part, players coming out and saying like we don't like it spectators coming out and saying we don't like it uh doesn't change the behavior right yeah, so there needs sure to be something else
0: nico got now, warned at this tournament but i don't think he got a stroke i don't think he got a second warning
1: correct that's why i heard as well yeah so now,
0: something was said but not twice
1: now you can uh this this is where this is where it's tough right because again I don't like playing slow, but at the same time, I know that if I say something to the person that's playing slow, like, yeah. buddy, you got to speed it up, man. You're playing way too slow. Yeah. I now am potentially jeopardizing the entire situation of the card Yeah, the rest of the way. And you've seen me playing rounds with some people that when they don't play well, they make everyone's life a living hell yeah yeah of where it's just like you even if you're playing well you're like this is not fun to be around because this person is just like making yeah you've seen it so (laughs) so the thought of like you now are potentially doing something to make that happen it is not a pleasant thing. And, and I know there are some pros out there that are like, bro, if you, if, if you guys hate slow play, just go, just freaking say something about it. Like, it's not that easy though. That's the problem is like, when you start bringing it up to people and again, it's like, what what are you going to do? You're just going to keep stroking them every single time it happens. And then they're just going to hate you. And then now it's like, I'm going to have to see this person next week. And the week after that, I think for a lot of people, it, it it makes very awkward situations. And even we, we see it all the time. We see it all the time of where like a disc is like somewhat in and out. Like we just saw it at Texas States where, um, I don't know who it was. Who was it that threw that shot on hole 17? And it was like caught in the tree over the fence. And they were like, uh, Big Germ was on the card. I don't know if you know what I'm talking about. I I, I don't know
0: if I saw that situation.
1: The disc was like floating in the air and there was a barbed wire fence underneath it for OB. And so like the disc was like a good like three feet above the barbed wire fence and they were trying to figure out like is that in or is that out? Like That is just a very awkward conversation to have a lot of times to be like, oh no, you're definitely out, dude. Yeah. And then be like, "No, I'm not. I think I'm in." And be like, "No, man, you're out." So, this, ready? This is how you avoid it. All right. Let's hear it. You invest in a golf cart. You have someone that knows the rules. Sit in a golf cart with a walkie-talkie. You have someone uh at headquarters, HQ or whatever, that also has a walkie-talkie. And because I'm pretty sure too, like there, there's like a number situation or something because uh the two DNF situation where they need they they're like, what do we do? We have two people at DNF, we can't keep playing. Yeah. Um, there was a number that they called to get in contact with someone. So you have that number at HQ, and so that way that person can walkie-talkie to the person on the golf cart, hey, there's an issue on hole eight. Can you get out there? Yeah. Because that person, the, walk, the, the golf cart person also, when they don't have an issue to, to zip around to, they're also just meandering about, right? They're just, they're just driving about, and guess what? If they were driving about and they saw our situation round one, and they saw that there was a two-hole gap in between our card and the next card. All they would do is zip over and say, "Hey guys, you're on the clock. Uh, I'm giving you a couple holes to catch up with the group in front of you. Yeah, if you don't, we're gonna I'm gonna stroke you all. So now it's on all of us yeah. So now everyone is like, I have to play a little bit quicker. I have to walk a little bit faster than the next tee pad. I, I need to throw my shot and immediately start walking. Um, and 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 that's how you solve it. You solve it with just having a golf cart and a Marshall. And 90% of these courses, you can zip around real quick in a golf cart and get from hole to hole, no problem. The wooded holes, wooded courses, that might be a little bit trickier.
0: Then you just get a... Really you get a one-wheel ride the
1: trails. You get a one-wheeler. That could work. Um, Boom. You but get yeah, Connor I out think
0: there. Connor just gets on his one-wheel and he just cruises around the course. The win-win. Win. He's having yeah. a great time. The players have someone to talk to. Win-win.
1: But I think, I think we've, I think we've seen it enough times where pros are just not interested. That conversation is just such a, like, it's one thing to call a disc in or out. It's another thing to call, like, hey, man, you're you're in circle one. You can't step putt here. Like, It's another thing to say, like, yo, man, you're playing slow. Yeah. You need to play faster."
0: Yeah, it's so, one thing when you're so, judging, like, a disc or a lie or something like that versus when you're judging how a, a player is actually playing the event.
1: It's like, the it's same two, thing. Two you, never, you, you never want to be the person of where, like, uh, everyone sees a disc travel and then they lose it behind a tree right? And so you don't see it land and you get up there and try to look for it. No one wants to be that guy as soon as you start looking for it, being like, all right, you're on the clock, three minutes has started. Yeah. No one wants to be that guy. There's always that weird time limit of like, all right, we've been looking for like a minute. And yeah, we, we, we need it. to start the timer. We need to start the time. Like, there's always that weird time of where the majority of pros aren't going to be like, oh, three minutes! Start! Here we go! Good luck finding your disc! Yeah. So... I, I think that's the only solution. I think the only solution is to have some sort of marshal, have some sort of, you know, PDGA official zip around on the golf cart. And and again, like that also just knowing it that as players, we should be able to see like, hey, we just finished this hole and we're walking to the next tee pad and they're off the hole already. We need to play this hole quicker.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and it also gives you a better talking point of just being like, Hey, guys, the group in front of us is two holes ahead. Like, I don't want the marshal to come stroke us. We should probably pick it up to where you can talk to the whole card instead of talking to, Hey, Silas, you're taking 45 seconds every putt, man. Keep it up. I might have to stroke you. Like, it's a lot less awkward if you're addressing the whole.
1: Like, Hey, Silas, can you stop five putting every hole? Yeah. It's taking forever. Can you please. Can you please just three putt so we can move on?
0: Yeah, now, then you can just address the whole card. So then all of us are like, oh, okay. We know what you're talking about, but you don't have to make it awkward. Now, I think Correct. it's been a big enough issue for long enough that something has to be done at it's, it's some point soon. And I'm assuming the Pro Tour already knows that because the other the other issue is when you do have a player that's slow, whoever it is on coverage it irritates players or irritates fans to where fans now don't want to watch live coverage. I hate that. Not an issue overall because for disc golf, like you got post-produced that cuts it out. But for the disc golf network, the disc golf pro tour as a business, they want those subscribers. So if you have people who are like watching the final day and they're like, why on earth would I subscribe to this? Like I'm watching a guy, whoever it may be line up for a putt for 50 seconds this is awful. I'd rather just watch, and rightfully so. I'd rather just watch the cut together version. That's not a good business model either. So they got financial interest in solving it as well, because it's not just mm-hmm. a you know, oh, some people are a little unhappy, but you know, it is what it is. Deal with it. There's there's money on the line that's being lost by not addressing it right now.
1: Yeah, no. it's a crazy, it's a cra- it's a crazy reoccurring theme, right? You like, yeah. I feel like we've talked about this multiple times, multiple weeks. And um, you know, it, it it honestly probably wouldn't have the limelight if some of the better players didn't play slow. Because well, you yeah. would never you would never see them.
0: And that's what I was gonna say earlier before we kind of kept talking about it was what sucks for Nico, and some of it, it's it's somewhat brought on himself, but what sucks for him is when I was first getting into the sport, when Trevor's first getting into the sport, Nico at that time very little controversy surrounded him. He was just the best player on on earth basically at that time. Mm-hmm. When I got into the sport, Paul had eclipsed him, but like 2009-2012 that range, it was like him and shoestrick And that's what Shush- mm-hmm. that's what Nico was. We are now 13 years later and Nico is still relevant enough to be arguably a top 5, top definitely a top 10 player. Like he has this career that the longevity of it is among the paul ricky you know that type of caliber player but it's just being overshadowed in this generation by all these different reoccurring issues where it's like Mm -hmm. yes they're self-inflicted issues but on the flip side of the coin it kind of sucks because like people are missing out at how good of a player nico is because you get so focused on him taking a minute to to pull the trigger on a putt sometimes
1: so He's actually, he's actually been playing ridiculously well. well
0: that's that's what i'm saying is that's why it seems like such a prevalent issue is he's good enough to be on coverage this much like if he if he sucked and he was not on coverage you wouldn't hear a thing about it because no you, would, you don't know like the card in front of you that this weekend until you no, said it. The idea we, who that is. we didn't yeah. know yeah we still don't know who it was
1: I, I wanna know.
0: Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's like we have no idea who that was, but they're causing the same exact type issue as Nico. It's just Nico's on lead card, they weren't.
1: That's the difference. Yeah, but is,
0: it's it's a field wide issue.
1: This is too, too like also where I, you know, I obviously I still feel like I have a lot of years left of playing on the tour. Um but I am very looking forward to being done because I do feel like I mean, I do feel like it frees me up a little bit, right? Because it's like, again, like I'm seeing, the, like I'm I'm very cordial and friendly with Nico. I've never had any qualms or issues with him. Um, same thing with Gannon and some of these other guys too. And it's like, you know, sometimes these hot topics come up and these players are in those hot topics. A lot of times I'm in the hot topic as well. Uh, so it makes it, you know, it makes it kind of more awkward to kind of have these conversations sometimes because then it's like, all right, well, I'm, gonna, I'm probably going to see this guy. Yeah. Tomorrow. And they're going to have just heard without, what you said. Now you got to, now you got to address it. Practicing. But for the most part, I try to be at least open to people, talk to them too. But obviously people want to hear what I have to say on certain issues. Um, and so, yeah, it is what it is. It sucks that again, it sucks that it's always Nico. Yeah. But that's because, he's putting himself in that position to where it is where people think he is the only uh, perpetrator. Is that the right perpetrator 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 Um, when in fact he clearly is not. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Uh, All right. Well, I've got some voice memos queued up. um, Did
1: you ever get this? Yeah. Did size never get the scuba guy? Did you ever figure that out? The scuba guy? Uh, I did not
0: see it come across. I saw where there was one that was supposed to be submitted, but I didn't see one come across since that time.
1: No, some okay. yeah, someone tweeted saying like, "I need to call in to to talk to you about the scuba." Yeah, I've so been maybe we'll we'll the yeah, maybe, we'll, we'll we'll it, maybe we'll have we'll it next. Yeah,
0: maybe we'll have it. Maybe we'll have it next week. But um, I'm gonna play some of these. I have two voice memos queued up. Um, honestly, I don't remember that the first tree, one.
1: But that tree was in my way.
0: Yeah, the, for the, everyone out there, the angle did not make it. Did not do you favors. It looked like you just decided to throw the scuba in a wide open field.
1: No, <laughs> I had <laughs> I had a tree in direct line to the basket. So for that 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 scooper probably curved seven to eight feet around the tree, um, and I will. Who do I dare? I feel like I dare. Do I dare? I dare. From sixty feet with an obstacle in your way to where you can only throw an anti putt, like you have to throw something left to right. I like my odds against everyone on tour. Ooh,
0: interesting. I don't know. I don't know what that turns into, but I I don't I know think- if I agree with you. Just I haven't seen it enough.
1: Yeah, I don't know either. I don't know how puffing I am. <laughs> That's why I was, I was. I was. I was trying to think in my head. But I, I think, think some
0: players make some sick Annie putts.
1: But, but it's a
0: very for, unique situation that you are in, where you need to go like high floaty Annie or scuba. Yeah, I definitely. I have adopted the scuba to where I Annie putts are one of my favorite things to throw. But there's some situations where the scuba genuinely makes more sense. Right, just you look at it and you're like I could throw this Annie putt but the scuba gives me a much better chance of it going in.
1: I think for I think for me to have a better chance, too, you would have to putt everything out. So that way... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That way, you can't just, like, you know... I mean, you could if you wanted to, but if you end up throwing hard anti-putt around and you miss and it, you know, rolls and does whatever, you still have to putt from there. So it's total putts, like 20 attempts from 60 feet an object like in your way to where you have to, like, probably throw a five to six foot ante left to right. Um, and you got to put everything out. and We take the total number of putts from there. I like my chances, I like my chances. That'd be that be a fun, that'd be a fun little one.
0: That'd be a fun challenge, yeah. So, we're gonna play yeah. these voice memos. And while we're doing that, be Let's sure to it. be putting in the chat if you have any debate topics or questions or whatever you want to be brought up. Silas will be going through the chat. And bringing those up, we'll get a few answered here after these two voice memos as well. Um, so let me get this first one here queued up.
1: Hey, shout out to all the uh, members of the Heiser Club too. Our uh, Patreon numbers are going up, up, up. So if you are a member of the Heiser Club, shout out to you. Thank you for supporting Foundation Disc Golf. We should we have the
0: first We should have the first thing that uh, the Heiser Club, I believe it's a leader Hall of Fame, I think maybe Hall of Fame, gets early access to here in a few weeks. So that'll be that'll be exciting. Yeah.
2: And we also got some stuff added. Yeah, we, we just got, got some, some, new, some new
0: minis, I believe, added today. They don't even know about that yet. But if you're a Heiser Club oh, member heck yeah. over on the Heiser Club store, I forgot to post about it. But thanks uh, for reminding me.
2: Was wasn't I supposed to say that? No,
0: no. you you're That was fair game. They're up. Oh, okay. Uh, but let's That's hear That's a great this. promotion. Yeah, great job. Great Phyla. promotion. All right. Travis. This is from Travis. He left us a voice message. If you want to leave a voice message, you can head over to fdnsports.com. Hit podcast in the debate night tab. There's a little thing there you can leave voice memo if you want a chance for us to hear your take on something. But again, this is from Travis. Is it ready, Silas? Yeah. All right.
3: Howdy, guys. This is Travis from College Station. One thing I wanted to bring up was I honestly think that the Pro Tour needs to get away from where USDGC is and that whole concept right now. Um, Not saying they need to get rid of like the U.S. championships, but... For someone like me, I started kind of around when Brody started. I started like February or so of that 2020. Um, And I've never watched USDGC. I watched the final round last year because it was free on YouTube. But if you think about the bump in subscribers that we've had, both to the network and uh, just members of the PDGA in that past few years, I know y'all talk a lot about the prestige of the event to us there really isn't that prestige because we've only been around for a few years. Most, I wouldn't say most, but a lot of people have only been around for a few years at this point. And I think it's only going to get worse with regards to end of a being in control of a pro tour major, and then having to deal with a course that's at a college campus um, watching the final round last year. Yes, it's exciting, but I do think it is weird seeing me you know, the the hole where you throw from the Coliseum, basically you're basically on like the steps of another building and there's people, you know, you're throwing around batting, uh, like, you know, baseball fields and stuff like that. I think we need to work on getting away from that event probably as soon as we can, because the problem now is that there's not that prestige for a lot of people so you can move it. But if you wait another five, six years well, now there's going to be that prestige to the event, and now it's going to be harder to move, and more fans are going to be upset about moving it later than if you move it now.
0: So there you have it. Fascinating points brought up by Travis. Mainly the reason I picked that is because I am one of the people who is, like, suckered into the prestige of USCGC, and Trevor brought it up. I don't remember if it was on GripLocked or we just were having a conversation after GripLocked one day, but Trevor brought it up. He goes, what's funny to me is if usdgc was a brand new tournament this year he's like hunter you and i would hate it we would come after it because of the way the course is where the course is at and like so much about the like course design and stuff like that but because it has history we like are in love with it and i was like that's a great point point. and then the side point he also made is the subscription model of how you have to watch it. Obviously, this year, they've switched it up. If you're a Disc Golf Network subscriber at all, you'll be able to watch it. But over the past few years, that hasn't been true. So if you're a new player to the sport, I can fully see where USDGC, to me and to other players you know, that started around the same time as me or before me, it is the like most prestigious event. And to a lot of players on tour, it is like the most elite title. But I wanted to hear your opinion now too, Brody, as being a new player who has now played USCGC? did it feel special to you or did it just feel like no. another event and you're like why am i throwing from a basketball stadium
1: wr jackson feels special yeah that that court that course doesn't feel special
0: yeah so he might be on to something that Change is inevitable at USDGC. We've talked about that multiple times. The, the course can't be there forever. I think Innova's aware of that. Um, we've also talked about multiple times how it's an issue that Innova or U.S. Disc Golf has USDGC trademarked um, to where the PDGA, I mean, doesn't really have that much control. Um, but if there is ever a time to move it and to make adjustments, it is probably in the next year or two. Because as much as that would suck, I think it would probably be for the better of the event.
1: I mean, we, you you just got to try your best to try to find courses that feel like disc golf is the priority. Yeah,
4: yeah, 100%. because
1: what's that? His, his his points are valid. Like when you're watching, you're like you're throwing from buildings, you're throwing around baseball fields. Yeah. It doesn't feel, it doesn't feel as special as if, you know, I I will say at MCO that that was the benefit of the course is you're just out there. It's just a disc golf course. There's nothing else out there.
0: Yeah. Now I got to ask you about, because you just brought up WR Jackson feeling special and I a hundred percent agree. I think it's a course that should be used very frequently on the pro tour slash major circuit. Um, but one thing I noticed was if you look at the ticket sales, the pre sales for tickets and the online sales for tickets, they're only 400 spots a day. Now, yeah. I don't know if that's something where they're going to open up more, but I know a big issue with now, this park well, is the the parking in general. Um,
1: there's no parking.
0: Yeah. So typically, what they've done in the past is like players park at the course and then you're parking kind of along the road or farther up and either being shuttled in. Where, or having a long where are we
1: parking at the course?
0: There's in like 40 of,
1: spots. Mm hmm. There's forty
0: spots and uh, up the there's a parking lot if you go farther down. I think it's a boat ramp, um, past the course I believe, and then they were running shuttles. So like where you turn left to be turning into the PDJ headquarters, you keep going because
1: I, I, I think everything in front of the building is just going to be like staff parking. But yeah, the parking the parking there's not great, and the other thing is like maximum a hundred people per hole.
0: Yeah. But that's what's fascinating. Maybe. Is like we're at a point in disc golf where limiting a major gallery to 400 people it just seems crazy to me. Like that yeah. doesn't that that doesn't seem. I don't know. Are they
1: sold out? Are they sold out? Uh, I don't not know, all, not all of them. Not all of them. But if they're, they're not the sold preface. out. Then, okay. Yeah, 20, if they don't. They don't. They don't sell out. They don't, sell out. Yes, it's like you don't have an issue.
0: Correct. But thinking back to 2018 Worlds, I believe, was there. It was obviously, I believe, free to attend. There had to be more than 400 spectators when I'm thinking back to it.
1: Maybe it was just at the fort. Um, I mean, that was I, the other I, have a be- I have a hard time believing we're going to go to any tour event and gonna, there's going to be less than 400 people that want to go. That's what I'm saying. I have a hard time. So that's where I feel I'm like just, the numbers being closer shocked. and closer to 1,000.
0: Yeah, I'm just, I'm just surprised that there's a major with only 400 Players, because like I think that's something that's going to have to be taken into account. The bigger and bigger the sport gets, is like majors need to be strategic of big time disc golf areas, um, or at least bigger cities that can support you know everything the, the pro tour is bringing in because that's a big revenue generator. Like if a if a major came to Lynchburg, great, that's sick. We're not going to be able to field nearly as many spectators as if a major came, went to Charlotte. And so Mm -hmm. for the pro tour, it should be a lot more attractive for that major to go to Charlotte, regardless of if the course is better in Lynchburg than Charlotte. I'm not taking a shot at Charlotte courses. I'm just saying locations, please don't come after everything, but
1: you got to look at stuff like that. Everything has to be considered. Yes. Um, It's not just how good is the course. It's literally everything else. Uh, MCO, like the course, the course wasn't, in my opinion, like wasn't, at Pro level just yet But they have incredible amount of land There so they can make that Course pro level yeah not hard To do parking was great uh, They had I think They had food shuttles out there um, Plentiful space for spectators to Watch really good spots too Where you could stand and see like Four different holes so like As a whole That course like that That event has everything you need for a, a, you know, a disc golf pro tour event. It's tough when you start looking at a course like WR Jackson, because I was talking about this earlier. This is the first course that we played this season that I'm actually excited to play.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, because it's that good. Yeah. It's that, of course, that fun. Of course it's, incredible. It's that, it's that fun to play. Um, and so as a, as, as, That's where it's tough because it is such a good course, but it's like, how the heck are you, like, how, if, if if this stuff continues to grow, how, how are you going to have 5,000 people on this course? Yeah, you can't. You're not, you're not, it's impossible. So like, are we wanting, are you wanting to limit yourself to be like, well, the course is so good though, or is there, I don't know, can you, can you put... Can you do like some sort of like avatar thing where you put like rainforest walkways up in the trees?
0: Hey, there you go. There's some ideas. What about just helicopter tours? What? Everyone's in helicopters. What?
1: No, what about rope swings? And you can just rope swing from platform to platform. Now we're talking zip lines all over the course. Just rainforest cafe, the whole course out. Everyone's up in the tree balconies. Uh, you know, get some ambiance up there with some monkey noises. You know, if this golf
0: had some like crazy budgets, doing like tree houses with bridges between where you like oh, show up to a tree house and like that's like
1: incredible. the
0: bar with snacks and stuff like that. You're sitting up there watching the eighteenth green. Incredible. I mean, that could be oh, we're talking years from now, that's the future.
1: How is that years from now? People people put tree houses in their backyards all well, the time. Because you have the tree house
0: has to be regulated to fit like fifty people. We're talking a, a tree clubhouse. We're talking like, like treehouse masters get f- from Animal Planet coming out. Like yeah, it, it might five- as
2: well be a building.
0: Yeah. It's just a building and a tree and like five trees are supporting this clubhouse. Get
1: yeah. Get five dads and they'll they'll knock it out on a <laughs> weekend. No and then
0: just bridges. I mean, if tons of bridges courses that have like you know waco where it has like wooded stretches if that's like a disc golf only a disc golf park you like get to the wooden stretches and the spectators go up the stairs and they're oh. elevated on bridges so they can watch the wooden sections and come back out
1: and they're and they're in like uh they're in like the aquarium glass so that way <laughs> that way if like a a, a sprint you know someone sprays it off the tee it just slams in the glass and, and no one can get hurt. Boom. That's, that's awesome. Yeah, that's, we just that's solved incredible. it. There you go. That's, that's how you incredible. keep your wooden
0: courses around. Solved by
1: debate. I really, I really wish we were making thumbnails for this podcast. Like, not just our faces because, like, that... Oh, well, that's could, for like, a clip. Silas will clip that. I know, but if we could, like, Photoshop... Well, maybe that's what we need, Silas. Maybe we need thumbnails for the clips. Because, like, in my head, I'm thinking, like, you get, like, a shot of me throwing in a wooded course, but then you, like, Photoshop up, like, tree houses. Oh, I'll make it happen, man. All in the trees. And, like, that thumbnail is, like, oh, gosh, that'd be sweet. All right.
0: All (laughs) right. It'll be in by
1: tomorrow, boss. (laughs) Perfect. I love it.
0: This next one's a long message. I'm only going to play the first cue and then i'm gonna pause it because he he put he brought up six debate topics and then answered all six but it's all on one hypothetical situation it's also gonna be a little quiet silas so just a heads up all right let's play this thing
1: six debate topics
3: hello debate night i have a hypothetical for you tonight that i think would cause multiple debate topics so here here we go let's say in six months there will be a hybrid four-round disc golf slash golf tournament two rounds at Northwoods Black, and two rounds at Page Black, and it will be set up as if it's a major championship. Let's suspend reality and assume they are close enough together for this to be feasible. Using this year's Players' Championship as a reference, there will be a $20 million prize pool with $3.6 million going to the first and the top 65 making the cut. There would also be some sort of qualifying with 144 spots available debate item one who would win a pga tour pro a disc golf touring pro some dark horse
0: athlete all right that's where we're pausing it because that's i think the biggest debate topic you have northwoods black hardest disc golf course beth page black obviously very hard golf course who's winning a two round two round on each course hybrid event you don't have to say a person, but we'll just start with category. Is it a PGA pro or is it a disc golfer?
1: I love I love these topics though because I love these topics because it's it, it feels like a lot of people are starting to talk about this stuff. Of where it's like they just want to uh I don't I don't even know. It I mean it's the classic thing of where guys just like talk all the time about sports. It's like, oh like we had I we had a guy on our ultimate Frisbee team that swore he wasn't – I mean, he was athletic, but he wasn't like an insane athlete. He didn't play football at all. But he swore that the SEC offense alignment are so good that if he just got 30 touches a game, that he was going to get 100 yards. He would average 100 yards a game in the SEC as a running back as long as he just got 30 touches. And we were like, <laughs> we're like are you insane? And then another guy on our team. I and mean, that's not that outlandish about. of a take. I can understand that. That is outlandish. You, well, you saying, wouldn't even
0: make it through the whole game. He's saying the gaps. Like he's saying, like the gaps are so no, big in the you, SEC that you just run through they them. They Aren't
1: though? You're. That's they what he's run saying. Arm tackles. No, th- you're. You're. As soon as someone gets their paw on you, where it's not my take. SEC's, I'm just
0: saying that doesn't sound that. You're crazy. It now. That doesn't it sound is. that
1: crazy. Oh my! It is. <laughs> You're ridiculous to think that. And then another guy was like talking about how he thought that we, uh, as an ultimate Frisbee team, could manage to put together a squad that could beat the women's Florida volleyball team, which was like a top five program. After. In volleyball. And I'm like, you're insane. See, that one's no. So, people, some people are just like, great... But it is a thing like the Luke Humphrey's thing and the, the Drew Gibson thing. A lot of people are like, sorry. And I think it's it's a classic thing that you see people talk about a lot of times to their friends. I think this is the first time that disc, at least that I've seen since I've gone to disc golf, where I've seen like disc golf pros like voice their opinion about them being able to do other sports as well. So it it brings up fun t- topics. And uh this is definitely an interesting one. Well, who do I you think, think? Do you think
0: a disc golfer is winning, or do you think a PGA Tour golfer is winning?
1: So the way I the way I look at it is, if you look at uh, some of the people that play on tour, right, that aren't the greatest disc golfers, to see how far of a gap they are from the pros. Mm-hmm. In disc golf and golf, right? This is what I think, though. I think when you go into a wooded course like that, man, I think I think it might be a disc golfer. I
0: would agree. I would agree
1: because because in golf, you you're using the equipment. You're using a piece of equipment to well first off, I think I, I don't think there's any professional golfers that are incredibly I do that have, I do believe that have Bryson and time... DeChambeau,
0: I believe plays disc golf. I don't think he plays it actively like regularly, but Did he throw it? Did I've he throw heard, a shot? I've heard he that he plays a free... a disc. Did he throw a Frisbee uh, in that Dude Perfect video? I'm not sure. But those Frisbees look so flippy that you can't tell anything about them.
1: Well, those are ultra stars, dude. They Welcome look worse.
0: No, they look worse than ultra stars. They look like Whammo. Every time they throw them, they put them on highs and those things roll. But there's a picture of Bryson at a disc golf course once. Someone took a selfie with him. Oh, yeah, yeah. I don't know what you're talking about. So um, it, but it, my whole idea of why I think a disc golfer wins is mainly because there's enough disc golfers that have played golf before. And yeah, are competent that, at golf that they could what they would score at Bethpage Black, where it would be horrendous if you put if someone I who's never 100. played. Yeah, if you put someone who's never played disc golf at Northwoods Black, they're shooting worse than a hundred because it's not only distance, but you also have to be accurate at Northwoods Black.
1: Because the thing, the thing is, if if it the the main thing, I think I would pick if it was like a let's say it was like Preserve. Right, yeah. like an open course, I think I'm picking golf. Yes, because the 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 golfer is going to continue to be able to advance the disc forward. Yeah, at Bethpage Black, there are going to be holes where they they're only advancing the disc like thirty feet. Yeah, and in golf, yeah, I yeah, I think because of the course situation. I think in that scenario, I'm, I'm, I'm going with a disc golfer.
0: Yeah. All right. There you have it. I, was, I would agree. I was hoping you were going to say a golfer because I was like, this would be a great debate topic because I'm pretty confident on the two courses a disc golfer would win. But I agree. If, if it's an open course like Preserve or something like that where because you also have to think like there's a chance a disc golfer playing golf just tops a ball and it doesn't go anywhere. Whereas, like in disc golf, it's of a wide open course, the disc uh, is advancing forward.
1: Yeah, that's not happening. Like, but in, I like- in Northwoods Black,
0: that yeah. uh, I've played that course, would, the disc isn't always advancing forward.
1: <laughs> I would, yeah, in, in that scenario too. Like, I would really like my chances if I was going up against like a top five golfer. I would really like my chances a lot because. Yeah. Um, I think it'd be a lot harder to beat them if we were playing on a, on like more of a pitch and putt style. Now, obviously the,
0: if this was a real event with $20 million on the line, it's you're known about a long time in advance. So then disc golfers are going to be practicing a lot more golf and golfers are going to learn how to play disc golf. So then at that point it just becomes the best athlete wins essentially. Well,
1: so, well, there, there, if if you're, if you're telling me that golfers have time to train both, then I'm picking a golfer.
0: Well, that's what I'm saying. I'm saying in the original scenario, there's no time to train the events tomorrow. I'm saying, and if this was a true event, it would be like announced a year in advance and you got a year to, because if it's a real event and there's a $20 million purse or like whatever it has to be for golfers to care about the event enough to train for a year, then it just becomes like, obviously a golfer is most likely going to win because well, still, they've got
1: way more. Bad. Yeah. They're, yeah. they're going to get way, they're gonna the amount of time, you know, in six months that they will get better in disc golf will drastically outweigh how much better a disc golfer will get in golf.
0: Well, it's also would be, it would be a fascinating experience experiment that I don't think we'll ever have, um, out on this level to see like, if someone who is a professional golfer has the you know, money and trainers allocated to them that golfers do, if they were to fully get into disc golf where they still have the same budget from Nike or their sponsors or whoever, so that they have a dedicated trainer and they can pay someone to be a dedicated swing coach, pretty much the exact same type of people they have in golf how quickly they could actually get to the top with that type of assistance where you have a a trainer, the same person or whoever it may be that's working with them on golf in the gym is now looking at a disc golf swing and saying, these are the motions we need to work on. These are the motions you need to train. And then you hire a swing coach, like the equivalent of what they have. And it's like, all right, this is what we're doing. And then they just took their regimen that they're doing for golf right now and just copy and paste it into disc golf. That'd be fascinating.
1: I don't think that would be the... If we were picking sports, though, I don't think that would be the sport that I would say would be the best crossover, though. What's
0: the best copy-and-paste crossover? I'd probably say
1: tennis or baseball. Yeah,
0: tennis is a great one. Tennis is a great one. We were actually... uh, The video coming out tomorrow on Foundation Nation, we played against the tennis pro. Um, Well, we won't say how many handicaps we had to give him to make it competitive, but it was shocking how good he was with all the handicaps we gave him still but at the end he he plays disc golf too and at the end he was like talking to us about how similar like when you break it down like a tennis backhand and a tennis forehand how easily you can translate that into disc golf he's like obviously there's some things that you have to tweak a little bit he's like but it's a really quick thing to pick up because your muscle memory knows a lot of it from tennis already And i was like that's that's a really good point
1: but, yeah, I think that's why I think that's why I was I was uh, quick to learn how to throw a frisbee because of my tennis background.
0: Makes sense. Makes a lot of sense. All right, Silas, you got a topic or two from the chat?
2: Topics, topics, topics. Hey, if anyone has any topics.
0: Silas, I already did the shout out to the
2: chat. I know man. and No one... Oh, no my one word! Oh my word! Everyone
1: uh, just wants to listen. Everyone just wants to take, take, take. Well, hey, if you're listening and you're not subscribed yet, make sure you go over to our YouTube. If you're listening on Spotify or Apple, make sure you go over to YouTube. Hit us with a little subscribe action. We're closing in on 20,000
2: subscribers. Yeah, there are crazy. more scratch golfers, scratch golfers than scratch disc golfers.
0: There's way more golfers than disc well, that's,
1: golfers. But that's, that, the, that, that would, be, that would uh, be incorrect if the handicap system was the same for both. Mm. Yeah,
0: because the disc scratch golf, disc, disc golfer golf is no longer a thousand. I wouldn't say.
1: Well, but, no. What also, do you think it is? Well, no, hold on, hold on. the The systems are the, no, the systems are completely different. This golf gives you an average, so when you shoot a bad score, it drops you down. Golf just your your handicap is just what your what if you play well, what you would shoot. God. Stylus, if if you go out and shot ten rounds and four of them were 950, and the other six were below 900, your rating would be 950. Oh, okay. But in disc golf, your rating would actually probably be like 890.
2: That makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah.
1: So if the, if the handicap system in golf was the same as disc golf, or vice versa, if the handicap system in golf like took your average, there would be way fewer scratch golfers. Because every time you went out and shot an eighty eight, that would drop your handicap down significantly. When oh. in this scenario in this scenario, you're going out and shooting eighty eight, you don't get penalized.
0: Someone's asking if I'll try to break hundred again. We might have to bring yeah, that back that. for the summer. Because I haven't I haven't played golf in a solid three weeks or so.
3: so Four. oh might have um, to bring it back.
2: Oh, uh, here we go. I- Anyone not uh top twenty five or with a top tier sponsor should hundred percent. Oh, never mind. <laughs>
1: that's, do not, we wanna,
2: do we, that's not a great topic. Do we
1: want to say anything about the store, Hunter? Not yet. You want to you tease th- that a little bit?
0: I posted a teaser. There's a video or a picture on our Instagram. If you're not following our Instagram, shameless plug. Uh, I posted a little picture. Store's coming. Uh, we should have the official date and uh, events surrounding the grand opening uh, announced here in the next week or two. So pretty, pretty excited. Uh, Not going to lie. Definitely something we've been working towards in the back of our head for a while. Something we knew we wanted down the line. And it's almost here. It's almost a reality. So super excited about that. And there's also a ton of other stuff kind of going on in the works um, that can't quite say yet. But uh, if they all work out, you know, it could be some really fun stuff. I don't
1: know know what you're talking about.
0: I mean, it is what it is.
1: We got to catch up. We're up. We're working on we're working on finding a content house right now
0: in warm weather, so that's that's good news. Also known as is Brody's house. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it, right. it will be a content house.
0: Yeah, well, I mean content will be made, it will be flowing out of that house. Uh, I've got someone said this one I can just quickly dispel. Silas, I don't think you, I don't know if you saw it uh Millennia disc golf said debate this no one knows what a disc will fly like until they throw it yeah i saw that incorrect but... i mean i am not going to claim i can do it every time but i have watched i've got to witness firsthand paul who i would assume is probably one of the best at feeling discs and saying what they're going to fly like i've got to be with him when he walked through this was back when he was with of end of his warehouse and just i would hand him a stack of destroyers and be like i need a stable one out of this and just pick them up, hold them, pass them to me. No, no, no. This is what you want right here. Wow. And okay. Here it's we just go. like once you once you've played enough disc golf and you felt enough of the same discs, you know what a stable or unstable one feels like. And you can just I have feel no it. Idea. Yeah. But like <laughs> I, I feel no like idea. I would bet if I handed you a stack of 10 nukes and you just you were no. you had to guess, you could feel them up and guess. No. Soon. How would I know? They feel different. You just you it's just like It's a lot about the rim shape and how they settle, but also the plastic, the stiffness of the rim. I feel confident enough that I wouldn't put it on the line like a lot of money, but I feel like I'd be more accurate than inaccurate if I just was handed a disc and had to just tell you how it flew without knowing anything about it. Oh, here we go.
2: All right. We got a super chat from D. Lillo. They say, do you think that there will be saturation point, a saturation point, when it comes to too many disc golf stores? Are so many new online retailers killing the local shops? Boom. Uh, I mean, will there be too much saturation?
0: I, I I think there's. I think there's too much. Yeah, I think there's too much (laughs) saturation to where not all the current disc golf stores that are open will exist years from now. But that's the the, that's just a small business thing. Like, do you think there be a
2: franchise? Yes. Disc golf stores?
0: Yes, 100%. That's cool. Um, but the, the rate that small businesses open and close in the first five years is like 75%, maybe even higher. Yeah. yeah. Jeez. It happens. I mean, small businesses close way more often than they stay open. But I don't think that it's necessarily hurting disc golf. I think the online store to local store, that's the same thing going on in every other industry. Uh, it's just two different types of people. And in disc golf, I think what a local store has going for it is there's nothing like walking into a store, and if if I go online and I don't know what a Rock 3 feels like, or I'm trying to decide between a Rock 3 and a Buzz, I feel, I've heard they fly similar, I've never felt them, I can go online and I can buy both, and I can have them both sent to me, I can go throw them, but then one of the two I'm going to decide I didn't like, or... I can walk into my local disc golf store, talk to a knowledgeable staff, say, hey, what's your opinions on these two discs? What are the differences? And hold them, feel the plastic, feel what they feel like in my hand. That's something that no matter how much an online retailer tries, you can't accomplish. Um, So as disc golf continues to get bigger and bigger, there's also the instant gratification on both ends. One side, it's instant gratification of, I didn't have to leave my house to purchase that disc. On the other end, it's the instant gratification of, I didn't have to wait, two days, three days, however long it ends up taking for the disc I just bought to come in. So one side the instant gratification is I walk into a store, I buy that you know, uh, ESP Vulture, I go straight to the course and throw it. The other one is I'm sitting on the couch, it's 9.30 at night, I'm exhausted, but I'm watching coverage, I see a sick shot, I go onto foundationdisc.com, find the heat I want, buy it, it's coming to my door in a few days. So I think there's pros and cons to each. And I think that the best businesses will stick around when it's all said and done. But, yeah, there's going to be a lot of disc golf stores that are open right now that aren't going to be open a few years from now. I think that's very safe to say.
2: Gotcha. All right. Cool. Uh, we got another one. Um, so someone says, with ball golf, you can, fit, you can get fitted with clubs. Um, so do you ever think that people will get discs fitted to them? fitted
0: no because like fitting for a club brody you're like you're changing the everything about the club okay no when
2: you when i say when i say fitted i think of like here you're you're in a field and like you there's there's a bunch of different manufacturers there's a bunch of different discs and they're like hey like what feels good to you what fits your play style
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that I think we've we've talked through doing that ourselves. Of where you go out in a field, you have bins of discs, and people can try them. But like golf fitting's different because like a seven iron from wherever they have, like let's just say Titleist. I've never been golf fitted, so I'm probably gonna say everything wrong, but I'm gonna give Brody a chance to laugh and correct me. But you have a seven iron from Titleist, and they might have a few different heads. But the biggest thing about the fitting is once you combine the head with the stiffness of the shaft, with the grip you like, then you get maximum performance. Whereas like with a disc, what are you gonna change? You're not gonna sit there and run like a new mold or something. Yeah. What but is, yeah, that, is that pretty lot, accurate?
1: Yeah, you just miss missed out on lion loft. Those mm. also come in, come into play. Yeah. Um but yeah um there's way more things that you can tinker with on the golf side than you can on the disc golf side. Um but I do think that some players could benefit uh, could benefit to going to someone and you saying, "Okay, throw your max distance shot, uh, throw your straight shot, and have them like throw shots so you can see what they're doing." Because if someone's like, "Throw your max distance shot," and they just throw a disc like on crazy Annie and it just immediately hyzers out. Um, You can be, and then you say, throw your straight shot and they throw like a beautiful hyzer flip up to flat. You can be like, Hey, if we can get you in this like nuke SS, instead of you throwing this nuke OS, uh, if you throw that same hyzer flip kind of shot, it'll turn and you'll get a full flight. Like, I think there is something to be said about helping newer players out on Getting certain discs to help shot shape, yeah. Um, but I don't think there ever would be a time like if we were doing it. If we were doing it, we would probably ask like, "Hey, what disc? What manufacturer do you like?" Right? And and if they said Discraft, great. And then we'd run them through the Discraft lineup. I don't think it would make any sense for someone to come show up and be like, "All right," uh, and us giving them this disc from Innova and this disc from gateway and this disc from latitude and this disc from, di- I don't think that makes any sense. Yeah. Um, Cause you, you don't really see that too often in golf either of where if you get fitted, most people are going to tailor mid Callaway um, to get fitted or you're going into a uh, like a local fitting place that might have the option of giving you anything you want. But they're going to ask you like, what are you looking for? You're not going to get a seven iron in TaylorMade and a six iron in Callaway, right? Yeah. You're going to get a yeah. full your full iron set um, in one. Now it could be interesting. I mean, you could you could have someone say like, well, I really love the putters from Gateway, right? And so then you give them like three different putters from Gateway, and then they're like, I like the drivers, and you do that. So I could see that in a mixed bag, but yeah. Um,
0: yeah, I think it's definitely something that we're we're going to explore because we have some ideas how to go like a little bit more in detail and what it would look like. Um, it's just figuring out the timing, location, and stuff like that. But it's definitely something that I think in my head, that's something where a local re- in-person store also has advantages is because you can start to kind of expel some of that knowledge while someone's in the store and test, is that even something people are looking for right now? And I'm assuming it is. And then on top of that, be like, hey, you know, we actually offer this side service where we can take you out to the local field here, let you throw, you know, a wide variety. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a cool 25 grand, but hey, you (laughs) get 10 discs out of it. Uh, No.
1: Yeah, we we do throw in 10 free discs.
0: Yeah. You you get 10 free discs for for that cost. You know, you're just paying for the knowledge. Ty Lopez style. I got these cars (laughs) with knowledge. Yeah. but no, I think that there's a I think there's definitely a market for that. It's just again, I think that's the type of stuff that local disc golf stores have to to utilize if they want to stay in business. Nice.
2: Should we do a few more?
0: I think one more. One more oh. and we'll wrap it up. My uh okay. my f- Here we go. Fourth niece
2: was born and
0: just came home and oh. if I leave early enough, I might get to go home and see her. There you go. So, oh, we're going to oh, wrap it up yeah. after this Congrats. one.
2: Congrats. Okay, Thanks. Brandon White hot take he says, college disc golf with the current team layout will fade out their team doubles format uh is a poor way to determine teams i suggest using the ncaa d1 golf style what do you think uh Uh, this uh, is disc golf not golf uh
0: i mean honestly (laughs) i think if it fades out it has nothing to do with the format i think if it fades out it's from the structure up top um just struggling to figure it out in time because is he saying is he saying fade out in the sense of like not
2: exist? No, the, the the team layout will fade out. Oh, I thought he was saying fade out as in not exist.
0: I no, cuz the I, thing that the college disc golf layout format does is it forces you to have a deep team, similar to match play, but it also allows for you to play singles like a normal event and weighs that in and when you step back and look at what it is, it's beautiful. You know, I love it. I love the layout that's currently played the format of, because you can't have just one good player and ride their coattails to a national title. You have to have multiple players. They've solved that because previously you could have one great player and ride their coattails to national titles. You can't anymore. Uh, so I think that they've, they've kind of solved the format. I think that where the biggest delay is is somewhat on schools and somewhat on college disc golf itself in structuring conferences so that right now basically you can, anyone can go to any qualifier and earn a bid i think that and they've talked about this it just never happened where you should be within a conference a uh, certain amount of, of teams from that conference come out and get into like you win your conference championship you get a bid whatever it may be but then you get into regionals and then there's like the super regions you get out of the super regions then you're in nationals so by the time you get to nationals same amount of teams have qualified but there's a structure to it because right now you could have a team, you could play one event, you pop off of that one event, you're at nationals, so you have a two you have a two tournament season. So it's really hard to get rankings and stuff like that accurate in college disc golf, which rankings and stuff like that is what's going to make outside people care because it's hard to care when it's like when we talk about college disc golf, we're like, yeah, you know, Missouri I think is number one in the nation right now, Texas is number two. That means absolutely nothing because realistically Ferris State or Clemson might win this weekend at nationals, but it's just like which team played the most tournaments right now gets the most ranking points versus if there was conferences and stuff like that, there'd be more structure and then it'd be a lot more exciting. But the format itself, I don't think there's issues with. I think they've worked on the format enough. Let's focus on the everything else first.
2: Nice. All right. There
1: you go, Brandon. Let's end it on this, Hunter. You are the starting running back for Alabama. <laughs> you're you're playing at home against LSU. The game plan is to give you 30 carries yeah. throughout the game. Love it. How many yards? How many yards are you getting?
0: I think I think I'm getting positive three yards. That's it. Me personally. Yeah.
2: For the entire game, you're, you're, well, yeah, you're, I think you're at, there's going to be some,
0: there's going to be some where I lose 10 to 15 yards. How would there not just be? Just fall Silence. down. Just fall
1: down. You're not, you're not getting the ball 10 or 15 yards. Oh, we're yards just snapping behind it like straight. straight. We're
0: snapping straight to me. Or are we like snapping you're, it back? The,
1: court, the quarterback's under center. Okay. And you're behind the quarterback in an eye formation. Okay. By the time you get the ball, you're going to be three yards I didn't behind. didn't realize we're running the same
0: exact same play every single time. I'm thinking that it's going to be some... What play, what play are you starting 10 yards? If there's like the an option scrim- or something, I'm getting tossed over here and I'm trying to run back around the defense and I'm just screwed. You're, I'm just oh, factoring in me not being able to run fast essentially what I was factoring in. I think that... I mean, so in that scenario, I'm getting to the line of scrim- scrimmage every time. Three yards?
2: So, <laughs> I mean, 30 yeah, touches, crazy, 30 man.
0: touches, 30 yards. We'll say I can average a yard to carry.
2: Okay.
1: Because
0: like that, same, that, that game, same, I get to the hole and I just swan dive.
1: Yeah. I I, used to, I don't think you're making it through the game, but.
0: Well, no. I, <laughs> well, that wasn't the question. The question wasn't, do you survive? Because that answer is no.
1: That's part of the question. If okay, you swan then, I think, dive, then, I,
0: then I stick with three yards because I think I get a carry, maybe two, and then I'm out.
1: <laughs> I'll stick with the yard. So, some 300 pound lineman. I've never played football
0: I've never played football in my life, so if I get hit hard enough, I'm done. I'm out. I don't have yeah, I don't dude, have built up endurance against getting hit. There's,
1: your you're not, left your your left shoulder could potentially touch your right shoulder.
0: That's what I'm saying. Like if I like that's I would I would get hit and I'd fake an injury to just be off the field. But for someone yeah. who's fast, I think you're I still stand by your friend's claim. If someone was like a fast athletic person, not a crazy claim to average, because like you just got to get through the hole. Not a crazy claim, but for me, I'll go three yards. I think three yards.
3: Yeah, I think that's
0: fair. What are you getting? How many yards are you getting? Thirty touches, same scenario.
1: Right now, right now
0: we'll go college, Brody. You just you went to college for football. Thirty touches, thirty games.
1: I mean, I'm I'm basically like. The, I'm basically like, uh, what was his name? What was Derrick Henry? Wasn't Derrick Henry 6'5"? I don't know. Isn't Derrick Henry 6'5"? No
0: clue. I don't know random random football player's heights.
1: That's not a random football player. He was the Heisman. I still don't know his height. Currently, currently the best running back in the NFL playing for the Titans. Still don't know his height. He was 6'3", and he's a big running back. So I'm 6'5". Um... You know I'm probably I'm probably getting like maybe like th- 36
0: yards say so thinking, like a, a little over a yard to carry You're making it through the game or is that like you break out one or two
1: no I, I think I make it through the game College Brody makes it through the game I, I'm not gonna be able to walk the next day yeah but I make it I make it through the game. And I think like there's a couple that I get like four, like maybe one or two carries that I get four, and the the majority I'm getting anywhere from uh, negative one to one. Yeah, is kind of is kind of where I'm at. Makes sense. But I think I I think I would do the same strategy that you had. Is like if I saw a hole, I would essentially like kind of put my head down and dive.
0: Yeah, I'm just getting out there. Just get me four yards yeah. somehow. Like just, just Ball, get me through I mean, that.
1: You're not, you're not diving four yards. That's twelve feet. Ball out, just sending it. You're not supermaning yourself through the gap. <laughs> watch me,
0: <laughs> watch me.
1: I'll just be fully. I can, see you. I see you like superman yourself, and one of the linemen like gets their hand on you, where it kind of like launches you up a little bit. <laughs> yeah, and then get it gets line down. Up. And a linebacker just comes and just clocks you go in the opposite direction. Well, that's, like,
0: that's why I'm not making it through the game right
1: there. You just be like You, you just like turn into a folding chair. Like you just, snap.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'd bite my knees.
1: Yeah. It'd be bad. It'd yeah. be bad, but
0: all right. Well, there um, you have it. All right. Hopefully you enjoyed this week's yeah. episode. Uh, next week,
1: how many, how many yards would you, you listeners, how many yards yeah. are you guys getting? There you go. Let us know in the comments. We want to know.
0: Yeah. Let us know in the comments. Uh, If you're listening to this on audio, tweet at us and let us know. Fascinating, fascinating question there to wrap up the show. And next week we'll have Brody uh, two days before his first major of the year. We'll get his thoughts on that after a week of practice and see how everything's shaping up uh, for the first major of the year so you're not going to miss that episode. Same time. Actually, maybe not the same time. We'll post about it. Same place, though, next week on Tuesday. And obviously you can find us on Wednesday on all of your favorite audio platforms. Thank you all so much for tuning in, and we'll talk to you all next week.